uh, thank you for joining me this morning. Uh, we're at the final part of our Messages from Malachi sermon series. Uh, as we begin, I wanted to take a moment and, of course, dismiss our uh, young ones through fifth grade to Children's Church in the back. Looks like most of them already left. A couple of them are, have waited for me. but. And uh, while, uh, while they are doing that, also wanted to take just a moment uh, on behalf of my family and wanted to thank you all, thank the congregation. Uh, we've just had seen an outpouring of cards and gifts and notes and messages uh, over the course of this uh, Pastor Appreciation Month, this last month, and just wanted to thank every single one of you uh, for everything. Uh, we've appreciated all of you, your generosity, and uh, of course, certainly over what's been a little bit of a trying time for us health-wise, uh, but thank you so much. Uh, it really, really has made a big impression on us over this last month. And also, I'd like to mention, many of you know, uh, those of you that don't, uh, my daughter Isabella will be having surgery this week, kidney removal surgery, on November 8th. Uh, Lord willing, we'll, we will be uh, going down Wednesday evening uh, for a very early morning Thursday. So if you could please continue to uh, keep us in your prayers, keep our family in your prayers this week. Uh, but again, uh, thank you also for being our family these past four years, hopefully for many more years to come. Our text this morning, uh, once again, comes from the last chapter of the book of Malachi. If you'd like to turn there with me in your Bibles, also we've got it on the uh, screen behind me. We're going to read all six verses of uh, chapter 4 together. And the Lord says this through his messenger. Verse 1, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. When all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble, the day is coming shall set the day that is coming, excuse me, shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Verse two, but for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves, calves from the stall. Verse 3, you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 4, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction. Okay, that's the end of our text again, as well as the book of Malachi and the Old Testament, too. And there are just four words, just slightly into, into our first verse here. I'd like to draw your attention to, like to keep in our minds this morning as we talk through this text. God says what to his people via uh, this message of Malachi? The day is coming. The day is coming, God says. Keep this in your minds this morning. What day is coming? What day is coming? We'd like to know. We're not sure what day specifically. He doesn't tell us. No sense in putting any billboards up anywhere with a date. 
We don't know which day specifically, but we can have it described for us. The day is coming, which is again, quote, burning like an oven. When all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. Now, maybe we'd like to think that since this is Old Testament scripture, it's long been fulfilled. But let me ask you, have you ever witnessed a day or heard of a day centuries past in which burning like an oven, all the arrogant and evildoers are stubble? Not exactly, right? Maybe a few uh, have come close. But this day in verse 1 is described as such a day. Interestingly enough, it sounds like what we might even call an apocalyptic or an end of days kind of a day, right? At the time Malachi was written, this was a day that was coming and still 2,000 years after Malachi was written, this is a day that is coming. And the prophet goes on here in verses 2 and 3 to attach uh, some fairly powerful imagery to describe it. A day that for good and evil alike will have nothing to which to compare it. Evildoers, arrogance, set ablaze, the righteousness, the son of righteousness of God, healing those who fear God. Wow, what a day. If you recall, uh, let's think back a couple weeks back in the series. Uh, we talked uh, a couple weeks back through Malachi, uh, the first part of the third chapter. We mentioned that God has described himself in scripture, personified himself throughout scripture as what? As fire. You remember that for the righteous, our God is a refining fire. Refining fire, chapter 3, verse 3. For the unrighteous, our God, is what kind of fire? Consuming. Consuming fire. We're told this uh, Deuteronomy 4.24 and other places. Good news for God's people. Malachi says the day is coming in which the refining will fully be realized. And so the day of the Lord hardly sounds like a day we should forget is on the way, right? And yet we do. Yet we do. Not to say we've necessarily forgotten the last day he, he came to us, which was ahead of this writing. The first coming of Christ, of course, looking back in our era today, our, the modern age, quite profitable, isn't it? By this I mean... Uh, one year within the last several, uh, it was said Americans spent a total of $612 billion celebrating the Christmas holiday. This was in the year 2012. That, that's a chunk of change. This same year, uh, Gallup poll found that 51%, just over half of Americans, considering themselves, quote, strongly religious, with up to 62% attending some kind of religious service on Christmas or Christmas Eve, so this means, my friends, that Christians uh, typically spend just as much uh, money on stuff and all the worldly trimmings as their secular counterparts do. Hobby Lobby displaying just as much in the way of the traditional nativity scenes as Walmart does displaying the inflatable outdoor uh, items such as owls and Santa Claus and reindeer and Santa Claus with reindeer and Santa Yoda and Santa Yoda with reindeer. I'm not sure what Santa Yoda with reindeer would say. Maybe Merry Christmas to all and use the force. I've done better Yodas before. That wasn't in my top five. I'll work on that later, though. 
I have a question for you. If you have a family at home, uh, do you know how much that you plan to spend on, on Christmas this year? One recent statistic uh, said many, many moms report they actually plan to spend an average of uh, $271 per child at Christmas time. One mom out of 10, uh, 10 said, I'm not sure the size of the study, but one mom out of uh, one collection of, of people said they would shell out upwards of $500 of gifts for each child. This is a lot of money spent in preparation for a celebration that I guess is all about the first coming of Jesus. Right? Didn't know this was going to be a sermon on Christmas. But what I wonder is, this is my point. If the second coming of Christ was something uh, just as uh, marketable outside of maybe the Left Behind series, if the second coming of Christ was something just as profitable, as marketable, as cozy and comfortable, even something as cheery, would we prepare for it like we do our Christmas holiday every year? Would we turn our hearts to those people around us still caught up in the world, those arrogant, quick to do evil? Would we take our time and our money and invest it towards the day that is coming for their benefit instead of essentially wasting it away? I'm not saying there's anything wrong in itself with gift giving and these uh, traditions, wholesome traditions in the month of December that can amount to memory making family time. But what I'm saying is the day of the Lord, the Bible says in 2 Peter 3.10, will come as a thief. Church, are we ready for it? Are we preparing for it? Are we getting ready for it or are we just using up what the Lord has given us? These are some tough questions. Many years ago, British evangelist Charles Spurgeon wrote about a man who went into an inn, a place he could get meals and, and lodging. Again, a British evangelist. As soon as the man sat down at the end, the story goes, he began to order a very large meal. After finishing the meal, the man went off to bed. Instead of rising the next morning and, and leaving the inn, he decided to stay a while. He was going to stay at the inn a while. The days of his uh, newfound amenities soon turned into weeks. After many meals, after many nights at the inn, a bill finally arrived for the man at his door. Taken by surprise by the size of the bill, the man went to the person in charge and said, Well, I never thought of paying for all this. The owner of the inn said to the man, well, either you're a born fool or a thief. You've been staying here living day to day on my room and board and never thinking once that you'd have to settle an account with me. Spurgeon continues to go on. This is how we live our lives. This is how many of us live our day to day lives. We go on every day. We take what God gives us. We ultimately use up whatever comes from him. And how often do we give a thought about the coming day of the Lord? How often do we prepare for a day in which we are all going to have to give an account? The question is, friends, are we, are we more caught up in my time, my time, than we are in a day that is coming to us, the day of the Lord? It's a tough question. 
It's not just what we consider big days or, or pre-planned days of excitement on our terms that take our attention off this day that is coming, that is burning like an oven for some. It doesn't just have to be Christmas presents. <clears throat> Maybe it's just being too concerned with our circumstances at the present, right? Just too caught up in the present. I had a day like that this week. I'd like to share it with you. I wasn't able to actually complete uh, my message until I had this day, and then I found out why. Thanks, Lord. I found myself standing in line at the uh, <clears throat> Dollar General store down here at the corner, as I often am standing in line. At the, but as it turns out, if you're going uh, to shop at Dollar General, I found out down here, don't make it around the time the school gets out on a Friday, or else bring a little patience with you. I had just a few items I, I was standing with in, in the checkout line, and there were maybe five or six shoppers ahead of me. They had uh, baskets full. There was only one checkout open, uh, but eventually a second checkout opened up, and, and I was motioned into a second line at their register. As I approached the cashier encounter with my arm full in tow, I soon felt the presence of a, of a very tall drink of water breathing down on me. Have you ever heard anybody say, you know, if he'd been a snake, he would have bit me? If this individual would have been a snake, he would have bit the top of my head. I'm short. If you haven't noticed that, I'm a short, I'm one of those short people. Uh, and it's my mom's fault because I've got her short legs. I, I, I blame her for that all the time. See, if I would have had regular legs, I could have been a basketball star because all my height's up here. In high school, I was actually voted most likely to become a penguin. <laughs> anyway, my 5'6 my or 5'7 is right up against this guy's 7'1 or something. I mean, they, they all look about eight feet tall to me, right? This guy had to be one of the most impatient shoppers I've ever had the displeasure of standing next to in a checkout line. See, he'd come into Dollar General for one item, and he shouldn't have had to have waited as long as he did, and I found this out because he mentioned it about three times while he was standing next to me, loudly. And you thought I was rude. Right? You didn't let your wife go through this sermon, did you, Josh? But I pressed on, I took out my wallet, I paid for my items, and, and, and just imagined uh, my neighbor and customer's increasing displeasure when his expected in-and-out shopping experience was further delayed by my presentation of a personal check. Guy's going to pay with a check. Penguin's going to pay for this stuff with a check. This was a personal check. I brought it up to the counter to complete, had it in my wallet, you know, had to, had to have a dollar amount signed, had to be marked by driver's license number, had to be processed by, uh, the, church, uh, by the clerk's register. Now, i got to be honest with you, I have absolutely no idea what this shopper's theology was. I am completely clueless in knowing what he believed about the end of the world, but I'm fairly certain from his next response beside me, congratulations, we're all survivors of the apocalypse. Because this was the end of the world. Confession time, though, folks. Um, because I'm a sinner, and, and you knew that about me. Because I'm a sinner, it gave me just the tiniest bit of pleasure to slowly recite the digits of my phone number as though I couldn't remember it when prompted by the lady behind the cash register to complete the transaction. <laughs> I mean, that's just what this guy gets for being so tall, right? We're going to have a talk with you later, preacher. 
But I finally checked out with my uh, Dollar General merchandise, got back on the road, and, and so did the shopping companion I didn't know I had. And the hassles of dealing with a busy retail store at that moment, it seemed like the end of the days, end of days for my fellow shopper, and, and then for me, of course, and then for my wife, because immediately I had to go home and tell her all about it. I saw a Facebook uh, meme a little while back. I liked it. said, uh, was it said, was it a bad day or, or was it a bad 15 minutes that you milked all day? And uh, my whole encounter at Dollar General didn't even take 15 minutes of my life, but I milked it. I milked that 15 minutes, and I milked it real good. I'm still milking it this morning. <laughs> that was a Friday, and I was all caught up in Friday, all day Friday, right? But this, this is kind of what we do. Uh, from time to time, we, we get all caught up in, in what's going on at the present. Uh, we get all caught up in Friday, all caught up in our woes throughout the week up to including Friday. Maybe since Wednesday, Wednesday, we call it hump day. Maybe it was a rough week and maybe we can't wait for Friday to get here, right? Friday. Uh, we're not looking towards some scriptural day. We just, we just can't wait for Friday. TGIF. Uh, some might say, or, or maybe if not Friday, we get caught up elsewhere another day. Maybe we get caught up in Monday. Monday, Monday. Popular 1990s comedy office space asked the question, does somebody have a case of the Mondays? We don't care about some far off uh, day that is coming. We can't even handle Monday. If we work a nine to five job, we already know the answer to that question about having a case of the Mondays. We have them before they get here. Or maybe we don't worry about Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. Maybe we're caught up in Saturday, right? Saturday instead. Saturday, that's the day and whatever activity might happen at our regular uh, stomping ground of choice stays at our regular stomping ground of choice. It's not the second coming day we get caught up in. It's Saturday. Um, uh, singer Elton John once sang, Saturday night's all right for fighting. But that's okay uh, that, that Saturday night is what's coming, that it's all right for fighting or whatever else we feel like doing because Sunday, Sunday follows next and Sunday's the day God gives us to make it all right with him. Uh, Sunday, Sunday, and, and I'm being just a tad sarcastic, but this is our day-to-day, -day, isn't it? This is the way we treat our days on our calendar. We look to days that are coming on the calendar uh, whether we obey God with them or not. We live our lives day to day. We look forward to a single day or a couple of days called a weekend or a holiday when we can hopefully enjoy some uh, peace and quiet or rest and relaxation or maybe some fun on those days because so many of our other days suck us in and spit us out. We live our lives by the days on our calendars, but we're so frustrated by the repetitiveness or the inconvenience of the day-in, day-out routines of our lives. We try to fill the void of our other days with something comforting, even if it's bad for us on those other days. We fill those days with, with food, drink, hobby, or habit. But brothers and sisters, there is a day coming, a day coming that's far better than anything we can do with our days in this place, amen? Far better. And that's my point with all of this. Look past the days that are passing in this place. Look past the days that are routine. Look past the day that is uh, very worst, that seems like the biggest hassle to you, or even the day that seems like the very best. Look past the days on our man-made calendars. Look past our days altogether, because the Bible says another kind of day is on the way for God's people. If we're obedient to God, amen.
The prophet Malachi says again, verse 2, let's read it again. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Doesn't that sound wonderful? You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. You shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. The day of the Lord is going to be much better than any day I can imagine here. Uh, Much more uh, uh, important than speedy checkout time at Dollar General for the saints. The day of the Lord isn't just going to mean things are going to finally go right for an afternoon. I won't be uh, inconvenienced or off my schedule anymore. No, my friends, the day of the Lord is going to be the day that you and I finally experience freedom. Free from this place. Amen? Look at the imagery the prophet gives us. We sing about that victory in Jesus. This is what it looks like, like cows leaping from a stall. Maybe maybe we snicker at that imagery, but consider, as one uh, commentator writes, remember that for many of the people in Israel at the time Malachi wrote this text, the wicked were prospering, God's people were suffering. Does that ever sound familiar? In our world, often this rings true. We mentioned that in in our Sunday school class this morning, Ralph's class, particularly in countries where Christians are being persecuted. Maybe you're not experiencing that kind of persecution, but do you feel trapped by this life, by this world, by your situation or your position, your lot in life? Or do you feel hurt, cheated, emotionally pent up inside because of a personal relationship or or an illness, or the state of things, or a politician, or the headlines that flash across your TV screen in this broken world. Look to the day that is coming. Again, commentary continues. Imagine the great rejoicing and victory ahead for you. Like that of a, of a young calf being locked up in a, in a stall, now released to play after a long period of confinement. Look at this text. Remember this text. Consider that on the day of the Lord, you and I will be so happy, so refreshed, so renewed. We will romp and play like children at recess who have been delivered from the indoors. As someone who has just over the course of this year, very short term, not near in comparison uh, to some of you and what have you've gone through in your lifetime, but just someone who has run the short term gamut from blindness to chronic uh, pain to cabin fever because of both over the course of the last year. This sounds pretty good to me. This day of the Lord, I'll take it. I'll take it. For no healthiness, no hobby, no habit, no happiness to distract us in this world, which is usually our solution. None of it is going to come with an infinity of matching God's plans for his people on the day he returns for us. Wow. Wow, the day that is coming. Look past your calendar. But it does beg a very important question for God's people as we continue through the text. What are we to be doing with the days that we have, the days that are given to us? God's people are to remain in what God has given us, what God tells us. Let's read again, verse 4. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the Lord says, through the prophet, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Uh, One preacher writes, Malachi here is telling the people they must remain obedient to God. Uh, This concept of remembering in the Bible, this isn't just a mental thing. 
You know, we often think of, rem- of, of just simple, oh, I remember that. Uh, this isn't just uh, remembering something like, I remember I'm built like a penguin because I've got my mom's legs. I found a weird commentator. Okay, this is actually the commentary here. When the text calls us to remember, it is certainly calling us to action. It is actually calling us to action. If you're a child of God, you can't just remember the things he's told us without them affecting your life. They affect your life. When we remember God's promises in the Bible, such as his promise that he is coming for us one day, this is a promise that will transform you. A promise that will make all the difference in your life. Remembering the word is being active in it. Again, Malachi, at the time he wrote this, he wrote this uh, to God's people, to the Jews. We must recall that even though they'd been forgetful of their call by God, even though they've grown complacent before their maker, we've talked about this, Even though uh, they'd taken advantage of the sacrificial system. Do you remember that message? They'd been adulterous in their relationships. We covered that. Even though they'd failed to bring their full tithes in the storehouse, we went through that. All these problems which we talked about, even though this was all true, God's people were still God's people. Amen? And God would still be true to them. God would still be true to them. But until the Lord came to fulfill the words he had given the Israelites, that is the first coming of Jesus, fulfilling the law, fulfilling the words of Moses, the Old Testament, until this event was to occur, they were to press on in obedience. And listen closely today, until the Lord comes again to fulfill the words he's given us. The good news of salvation found only in Jesus Christ. New Testament, which ends on what note? I am coming soon in Revelation chapter 20. God's people are to press on in Jesus today. How do I spend my time? Well, I usually spend my time qualifying it. Oh, Friday was a bad day. Wednesday was a good day. I could have done without last Tuesday. But regardless, God's day is coming. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. That's the good news. So let's make the most of the days we have. Verse 5 continues, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. We talked about this previously in the series of significance here. This statement actually referring to John the Baptist, Matthew 17, 13, who arrived just before Jesus came to his people the first time. But we may wonder what is going to happen for God's people before Jesus returns the second. Look at verse 6 closely with me again. This isn't easy to hear, but it's Bible truth. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And this is where we're going to draw in and close out the series and close out the message with a bit of direction given to our guys out here, given to our dads out there. Sorry, ladies, but uh, the big day of the Lord is described with text that, that speaks squarely to your husbands. The other thing is it's text that holds them accountable. You see, for some people, uh, this book of Malachi ends in a spiritual blessing. But for others, it's going to end in a curse. And it's all up to the spiritual head of the families and what God, uh, of God, and what falls upon your family. Guys, be honest. Verse 6, how are we doing on on turning our hearts to our children? How is it going to fare for your family that God has given you? Did you know that statistically when a mother comes to Christ, her family will join her at church only 17% of the time? 
When a father comes to Christ, his family joins him at church 93% of the time. It's not a coincidence. The father is the spiritual head of the family. Guys, did you know that the typical U.S. church congregation draws an adult crowd that is 61% female and 39% male in all age categories? If you don't believe me, look around the room. Yet one out of every three children in the United States lives in a home without a father. Do you think that's a coincidence or is the devil attacking our homes? Church, if we're looking to the day of the Lord that is coming and we're fathers, we're going to make sure our children experience the love of the Lord in their lives. And this is a serious matter. Men, are we preparing the next generation for the day of the Lord? Are we doing that? Because biblically speaking, taking the initiative is not up to our wives. Or do we spend most of the time we could be reading God's word, the time we could be seeking out others for studying God's word, learning about God's word so that we can live out God's word in our homes? Or are we instead doing everything else with our time on God's green earth? Be honest, guys, when, when we get a new calendar for the month, and I'm going back to calendars again, and you're thinking, Sheila, what's this preacher got against calendars? Come on. But, but guys, stay with me. If we were to plan out our next month on the calendar, whether it's paper or Google or, or whatever, you write it on your shoe. I don't care how you do it. We start marking off the days as in these are the days. Okay, this month this is what I want to do. I'm going to catch up with those old buddies on these days. And, and these are the days I'm going to finish up those projects. These days are uh, for tooling around the garage a little, and these days I'm going to hop on the bike and drive to Grand Rapids because I like to get frustrated in traffic. And now most of the rest of these other days, i got to get work done. There's work that i got to do. I'm obligated for this and that. And then all these days, maybe on two days left of the month, uh, maybe I'll find two days uh, to find out in the woods. And some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you tell me you're lucky if you can squeeze in two precious days all season to catch a buck, right? I'd like to encourage you guys in all this planning you're doing of your life, remember your children. <laughs> remember your children. This is what God's word says. It's important. So many men have their hearts turned away from their children. And it's going to be made obvious on the day of the Lord. As John Piper writes, fathers, you can have your heart turned away from your children by ignoring them, by being so swallowed up in your work and in everything else that all they get are the dregs of your life. Piper continues, you can also have your heart turned away from your children by being abusive, or you can have your heart turned away from your children through an embittered spirit of disappointment and self-pity. But guys, your kids need your hearts. It's not too late to start today. They need your hearts. Whether, you're, whether they're five or they're 15, they need your hearts. They need you. I know it's easy. We, we offhandedly dismiss uh, those opportunities we, we miss in life sometimes. Sometimes within our family, we think they're not important. We say, well, it's not the end of the world, don't we? So if I miss that phone call, I didn't get to talk to Johnny again, that catch-up phone call, that visit, it's not the end of the world. To the Lord, a father prioritizing his kids makes all the difference, spiritually speaking. We've talked a lot today about Temporary distraction, how we, we, we spend our time, we spend our days. Your kids don't need that temporary distraction to fill their days any more than you do. They need you. Just like our Heavenly Father turned his heart to us. Will we fathers and those of us that have children near to us, 
Will we not passively fill our plates, but actively turn our hearts to our children who are lost without direction? Lost without direction. For God will hold us dads responsible. We're going to be held responsible as spiritual stewards on the day he returns for his family. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the uh, film uh, Dead Poet Society. You remember that film, Robin Williams? That's probably one of his uh, better films. Plays a teacher, he pleads with his class in Dead Poet Society. It's, it's the, the, the slogan of the film. You hear it over and over and over. Carpe diem! Seize the day, boys! Make your lives extraordinary. This line became all the more poignant in, in the wake of uh, Williams' death, of course, 2014. This is an expression, carpe diem, uh, which is actually far more pagan than Christian. Uh, it actually comes from an ancient uh, Roman poet. It literally translates into enjoy the day while you have the chance. But you know, for God's people, a different kind of seizing the day is entirely appropriate as we look to what's coming because the day of the Lord is on its way. And yet, it arrived 400 years after the uh, four chapters worth of messages from Malachi. But will we remember today what our God has done before we see him again? Will we enjoy his day, the day of the Lord, while we have the chance? Pray with me. Father, I, I thank you for your word. Cover to cover as we, as we look in the books you have given in the Bible. We see your direction for us. Lord, we make our lives complicated. Sometimes we make them more complicated than, than we should, than, than, than we've been told to. Lord, each one of us is a steward or a potential steward of someone, of someone. It's not easy for us to hear that we like to waste time. <laughs> so, Lord, I come to you in confession and say, I'm sorry. Ask for your forgiveness over those days that could have been given to you more fully. Lord, I pray that throughout our church we would remember the message of your word. You are coming back again to take us home. You are coming to fulfill every word that you've given to us. Time will be done no longer will we plot out what's coming day by day. But you will have fulfilled all. And we have the opportunity being with you forever. Lord, work in our hearts with the people that you've, you've given to us. Whether it's our, our own children, whether it's, whether it's a neighbor or, or a co-worker, or an employee, or, or, or a boss. Work through us, Lord. Help us understand that 
We're not given a lot of time here. Ultimately, it all comes from you. And you're going to come and you're either going to be refining us or consuming us. Help us remember, Lord, that, that we, we, we all hang in this balance between heaven and hell. But you would not will that any of us would perish. Lord, I thank you for the prophet Malachi. I thank you for the Old Testament. I thank you for this uh, wealth of information that you've given us, that we can help understand why we need a Savior. Why God's people, uh, just as we were then, we, we're, we're totally lost without you. And even when we know you, Lord, we can grow so, so complacent. We just get caught up in what we're doing. Help us, Lord, to remember that we're on borrowed time and we were made for your will. Thank you, Lord, that you are our Father. And help us, Lord, to be the people we need to be here. I thank you, Lord, for the day that is coming. And thank you for the blood that was shed so that we can look forward to it too. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Not an easy message to deliver for me or an easy one to, to put together. And I pray that uh, it's been received uh, with grace, that it's been delivered with grace as well. If you have any questions or uh, uh, you'd like to uh, discuss anything um, let me know or let one of the elders know. Ultimately, there's a day that's coming. We got to be ready. We got to be ready in our homes, in our hearts. If you haven't yet made that decision, if you haven't yet said, Lord, I'm yours, if you haven't yet gone into the waters of baptism and come up that new creation in Jesus, become a part of that church, Acts, the second chapter, where the new church began, the church of Jesus Christ. If you haven't yet come out of those waters of baptism, we're going to invite you. Uh, we're going to send an invitation. The day can begin for you today, forever, for eternity. We invite you to come forward. Or if you have another public decision you'd like to make, as we stand and sing, we believe. We believe in the things that this book has told us, that this collection of books has told us. From Genesis to Revelation, Moses to Malachi, Jesus, and all points in between. Would you stand as we sing, we believe.